On this edition of the Iowa Business Report... Iowa sits just above the middle of the rankings. It currently ranks number 20. You know, it's in the upper half, which is good. What is prosperity? How can we measure it? And how does Iowa stack up compared with the rest of the nation? New incentives for charitable donations were included in the CARES Act. And we'll meet a man whose business helps schools get the furniture and equipment they need for today's way of learning. This is the Iowa Business Report for the first weekend of May 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Prosperity is defined as thriving, good fortune, and profuse wealth, not just financially, but in terms of health and happiness as well. It can be hard to measure, but one think tank based in London has tried. So my name is Sean Flanagan. I'm the director of the Center for Metrics at the Legarton Institute. So we were established about 12 to 13 years ago, uh, and the original sort of vision, mission, if you like, of the founders was was about creating pathways uh, from poverty to prosperity to lift uh, nations and people out of out of poverty. Um, but when we talk about prosperity, we mean uh, a combination of both economic and social well-being, and it's those two working hand in hand together that that helps lead to a life truly flourishing. You can't really improve it unless you know where nations currently are. So we've developed the Global Prosperity Index, which we've been doing for about 13 years. And that has undergone refinement and improvement over the years. And we believe now uh, really captures a sort of true extent of prosperity. And what we find in the US, when we look at the US in that index, is that the US, whilst it ranks fourth on the economic aspects of the index, there are three broad domains of the index. There's something called open economies, which looks at the extent to which um, a state or a nation is able to attract investment, um, has got good entrepreneurship, is able to uh, have good, good rates of startups and success rates as well. It's got good infrastructure, good access to resources. Um, and then finally, that it's got, uh, can generate wealth sustainably with the inclusion of everybody. So that's things like, you know, high levels of employment, um, participation in the labor force. So that's the sort of very high level of open economies. We've then got the other two domains are inclusive societies, which looks at safety and security, personal freedom, governance, and social capital. And the final domain, the third domain, is empowered people, where we measure the sort of what are the living conditions of people, their access to resources, to housing. We also measure education, health, and finally, natural environment. So all of that taken together uh, maps up to overall prosperity. And we, we found in the U.S. that Whilst the U.S. ranks fourth on the open economies aspect of the global index, it ranks uh, 21st and 27th on the inclusive societies and empowered people. And we really wanted to understand why, which led us to doing the the study of the 50 states of the U.S. and D.C. to really unpack that national uh, picture into, into into the states. Let's talk about my state of Iowa. How did Iowa rank compared to other states in the Midwest region and other states in the country? So Iowa um, sits just above the middle uh, of the rankings. It currently ranks number 20. Um, so it's, it's it, you know, it's in the upper half, which is good. Um, and then in terms of how it sort of compares with, with other states. So in, in the um, 
on, I should just say, just if I may, on our website, which is freely available, usprosperity.net, uh, as you go onto the website, there is an interactive map which allows you to um, select your particular state of interest, uh, and then it gives you a high-level chart with some overview, and then you can, you can then drill into a state profile. There's a state profile for every single state in D.C., which really unpacks the index all the way down to the 215 indicators that go into it. So um, when we look at Iowa's uh, profile, we see that actually overall, as I say, it ranks 20th. Um, but then we do see a, a different picture or a mixed picture across the, the three domains. So on the open economies domain, it ranks uh, 31st overall. Uh, but on inclusive societies, it's 10th. And then on the empowered people domain, it's 18th. So there's a bit of, and then when you look at the pillars, now underneath the domains, if you imagine the index is a little bit like a pyramid. At the very apex of the pyramid, you've got overall prosperity. That then breaks down into those three domains. That then breaks down into something called pillars, which we have. And then underneath that, we've got 48 policy-focused elements. And those are designed to really help um, those in authority, you know, state legislators, governors, really understand the areas that they need to sort of look at and maybe invest in. Uh, and at the very lowest level of the pyramid uh, of the index is these 215 indicators. So they all cluster together uh, to give overall prosperity. But 31st, 10th and 18th is how Iowa, Iowa sits at the moment. I'm looking at a chart from the website and it gives us the 10 year trend for Iowa with this overall prosperity score. And I find it interesting that Iowa's overall prosperity score has been pretty constant the last couple, three years higher than it was a decade ago, yet we've lost places in the statewide rankings, dropping from, it appears, 14th to 20th. So while it appears Iowa is improving, others are improving faster and better and going past us relative to one another state to state. Is that a fair reading? Absolutely. So so the index uh, provides that sort of healthy uh, competition uh, if you like, in the sense of, you, you you know, you can improve, but if you're improving at a slower rate than the rest of the U.S., you will actually fall down the ranking. So, um, you know, improvement really has to be at least the level of the state of the U.S. as a whole in order to maintain the ranking. In some of these various categories, you, you have this all broken down very neatly by category. If you look at Iowa in particular, what are the things that those who drive the economy and drive policy in Iowa, what are the things that they should look at first in order to continue to improve moving forward? Well, I think there's a number of things that Iowa does really well, as I said, on the inclusive societies. Although, you know, interestingly, when you look at safety and security, uh, that has actually fallen, not just in score terms, so it's actually worse than it was a decade ago, but also in, uh, therefore in rank terms as well. And when you unpack that further and look at the policy-focused elements and then the indicators, you see that two things really, uh, violent crime has, 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 has increased, uh, and particularly in relation to, to murder. Murder rates, um, I think, have, have gone up. Um, and then also on property crime, uh, particularly sort of mo motor vehicle theft and burglary. So that, that would be an area. But when you look at the economy, we see uh, the business environment area is something that, you know, where, where it currently ranks 40th, is an area that could see improvement. And when you look at the business environment, we're looking at a number of things. One is the financing ecosystem. So that's the extent to which the state can attract investment uh, for a bunch of capital or foreign direct investment. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't perform as well on those. So what could, what could state do to, to attract investment into the area? You know, what, what, what opportunities might there be to uh, connect you know, businesses with, with uh, financing investment? 
But we also see over the past decade in that particular area of business environment that the, the burden of regulation uh, index measure that we have in there has also seen a deterioration, which would suggest that actually over the past decade, regulation in the state has increased and is therefore acting as a barrier uh, to, to sort of, you know, free enterprise, the sort of business being able to, to thrive and flourish. This is obviously your work, your field of study. You've, as you noted, examined things globally, then unpacking it state by state within the United States. As you broke it down further in this country, state by state, was there something or some series of things that surprised you when you actually analyzed the data? Yeah, I think just on your first point, um, Jeff, it's a really good one. And we are, you know, people might say, hang on, you're a, you know, you're a London-based think tank. You, you know, what do you know about the U.S.? And in, in some sense, they're right. But what we did with this is we took our global taxonomy and then we applied it to the individual states of the U.S. And, and we did that using 40 experts across the U.S. So these were um, academics, researchers, uh, people that were based in the U.S. That, that have a good understanding of these different pillars. So they helped advise and guide us in terms of what the tax. They were really, really helpful in doing that. But I think there were some macro messages coming out. So things like overall U.S. prosperity has is, is continued to rise and is at its highest ever level. Um, that is, is generally shared by most states, although there were four states that had actually seen a deterioration in uh, prosperity over the past decade. Um, but also there were some messages around things like social capital had declined. So that's the way that society um, is, is cohesive. You know, it's the strength of relationships. It's the trust in each other, the trust in institutions, how much people participate and engage in civic society. That, that had deteriorated across the U.S. Sean Flanagan of the Legatum Institute. To read the Iowa report in detail, go to usprosperity.net. Still to come, how the CARES Act can help you come tax time and equipping our schools. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. We've talked before about how the CARES Act has impacted workers and businesses, but there is a provision in the act that encourages charitable giving. Gordon Fisher is an Eastern Iowa attorney. A lot of people in Iowa are hurting. We've got a lot of folks that are sick, even dying. We've got a lot of folks that are alone and struggling because they're isolated. We've got a lot of folks that have suffered really severe economic dislocation. So now more than ever, nonprofits are needed to step in and and help folks out. The CARES Act has several provisions that are designed to help or foster charitable giving during this time. Perhaps the most significant is a $300 above the line deduction. For this year, for calendar year 2020, if you give $300 or less, up to $300, even if you don't deduct, even if you just take the standard deduction as about 85%, maybe 90% of Americans do, you can still get an above the line deduction 
So that $300 will go against, be subtracted from, essentially, your adjusted gross income. A couple of bullet points. Again, calendar year 2020, so it's got to be done this year. $300 is the limit, and it has to, again, be to an eligible charity. But that is a great way of folks know of a charity out there that they've supported in the past or they think is worthy of support now. A $300 cash donation is one that, that you can very easily make and, uh, again, reduce your adjusted gross income on your next year's tax return. Gordon Fisher is an Eastern Iowa attorney. Learn more online at gordonfisherlawfirm.com. Up next, a Butler County business that helps create a positive learning environment. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. Learning has taken on a vastly different form this spring for Iowa school children. The classroom is in their homes, and the teacher appears on a screen. But the learning atmosphere within classrooms had already changed greatly before we all started learning from home, and one Shell Rock-based business is on the cutting edge of that. In this week's Business Profile segment, meet Roger Johnson, owner of Premier Furniture and Equipment. Premier Furniture Equipment works exclusively with school districts, K-12 through uh, for the most part, and we provide and furnish products and services for virtually anything under the roof of their building regarding furniture and equipment. I've been doing uh, school furniture and equipment for different dealers throughout the Midwest for numerous years prior to it. And I got to the point where I said, gosh, I could probably do this on my own instead. And with great support of family and the wife, um, we uh, made the leap of faith and uh, that's where it all started from there. What were some of the things that you evaluated in your mind as you said, you know, I think I want to do this on my own. I think I've learned enough working for other people. But what were some of the things that led you to say that there were more pros than cons as you evaluated it? You're kind of in the routine, the rest, uh, the, the process of doing what you do best. But you always had somebody in the background to take care of some of those miscellaneous tasks or you didn't know what those miscellaneous tasks were. So I think that was uh, maybe a bit of uh, concern of trying to learn and understand what those particular uh, loopholes might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also another challenge maybe in that decision process was my the, the employer that I actually left to start this company with was uh, a true partner, a friend, uh, a comrade in the whole process. So definitely you don't want to burn bridges and have uh, uh, adversity through that process as well. So that was another significant challenge, I think, just uh, the, the fearfulness of offending a friend. When you started this business, You were just doing it on your own at home, as I understand it, and things have kind of changed over the course of time. Talk about the original business model or plan and how things have kind of been tweaked here in the last few years. I would tell my customers somewhat jokingly, but it was very true that I basically had two different offices. One was my home office down in the basement. The other office was the uh, van that I drove across the state in. So Mm -hmm. a mobile office as well. Mm -hmm. Really from the inception of the company, um, again, with support and partnership with the, the wife and family and whatnot, they're 
helping out at coaching on a daily basis. I really think some of the challenges through that process, you know, how it evolved from there, in some regards, is rather simple because it was still the same things that I was constantly doing. It was the same customers, it was the same product, it was the same potentials and opportunities and challenges. So not much of that had changed. Really started out with the target of a business plan of simply doing that with myself and perhaps hiring somebody as a support, customer service, you know, the business aspects of invoicing and whatnot to be able to help me out with those particular items. But over a short, short period of time, um, we are just blessed with fortunate opportunities and growth. And truly, it was a frustration of mine of not being able to service the amount of customers that uh, had interest in, in what we were doing or as maybe some of the good things that we were building upon. So that's how more people and, and the ball just kind of uh, rolled down the hill rather quickly at that point. It's a very different sort of educational process now. What have you seen in terms of an evolution or a change in terms of the products that are needed in order to properly educate students these days? Hey, that's a great question. It goes back to what I addressed earlier about the opportunities that are available. The reason um, that we're in a brand new showroom and the reason why we have all of these things going on here, uh, again, I jokingly would tell our customers in the past, which might have been as recently as three to five years ago, they would call me this time of the year and say, Roger, we need 25 more of those same 25 chairs we ordered for the last 25 years. Um, but that's changed now that school administrators and definitely teachers understand, as you mentioned, the learning dynamics, the teaching dynamics with the classroom has changed so much. So the uh, classroom that we older adults picture from when we went to school is totally non-existent any longer. And what we find in that new culture shift in that, uh, changing of teaching and learning, administrators might not know exactly what they need to do differently from a furniture standpoint. They know they need to do something different because so much of it is dependent upon the teaching style of that independent teacher. Again, tying it back to the showroom, we just felt it was so, so important that, you know, again, I couldn't just drive my van across the state and drop off two or three different chairs and say, here's what everybody's buying because it's such a wide, wide variety of different options for them to choose from. Uh, we've got a great example of a school district that, uh, and this was even as probably two, three years ago, one particular teacher had nine different types of chairs in her classroom with a big old sign in the class that said, and this was like a third or fourth grader level. And the sign simply says, pick the chair that you want. If you don't like it, change it throughout the day, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just the culture that has changed so much. So, And that is interesting because again, it used to be you'd walk down the hallway of a school and the only way you could tell the difference from one room to the other was the number outside the door. They were all identically equipped. They were all identically styled. There might be a bulletin board where the teacher had something that was unique. But now learning is done in a collaborative setting. Teaching right. is done at a variety of levels within a classroom. And so it truly requires you, does it not, as in essence the designer for this, to say, Who's in this room? What are they going to be learning? What's their teaching style? It is the opposite of cookie cutter, in other words. For sure. You're very, very exact on with that whole process. So, you know, you, you throw that in there with the different teaching and or learning styles that happens within that room. But then you compound it with uh, the budget, for an example, that the, the teacher might have the perfect dream of this is exactly how it's going to work out for me. But unfortunately, maybe the budget isn't there for it. So that's where we can come in and help as well of maybe different uh, cost variations or different products to you know get what we want in this area, but maybe we sacrifice in a different area. 
the other tremendous part of that as well is storage within a classroom has changed so much as well. So it's not just the functionality of a desk and a chair, but how is that storage, um, because it's technology driven, we don't have as many books and papers type of things. It can't be a cookie cutter approach. And in likely terms, it can't be cabinetry that's bolted to the floor and screwed to the wall that's permanent. It again, has to be a multi-purpose piece of furniture, not just for storage. So a lot of different components that can uh, be involved with it as well. Talk finally, if you would, about the challenges that you think you're going to be facing, but the opportunities that you're also going to be presented with over this next phase, the growth, the next logical growth of the business. Certain things come to mind. I think uh, undoubtedly as any small business owner, a new business owner, is it's all about the caliber and the culture of the people that you bring on and add to the team. You know, that by far, and it's not because of there's a limited pool of people that are available, but it's kind of a unique little business. Uh, again, you might have 30 years of experience of doing it, but if it's all changed in the last three years, what does that matter? You know, trying to find somebody that has the right mindset. I think the other component to that as well is you hear the uh, so many reports of people that had great businesses started for the first several years. And, and the word comes about is they just grew too fast. They lost mm -hmm. control of things or they, you know, let me things that delegated down the ranks. Um, that by far is a big concern as well, without trying to be a control freak, micromanager type of leader in the process, but giving them the freedom to do what they do and, and bring their intelligence to our team while not losing focus on what we need to achieve tomorrow and five, 10 years down the road as well. So uh, a lot of crystal ball uh, planning and hoping, I guess, that goes with it. Roger Johnson, owner of Premier Furniture and Equipment. Learn more about the changing face of classrooms and school buildings by going to their website, fepremier.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.